Welcome back. Uh, joined with me tonight is Dan King and Albert Props uh, from the Ultra Marathon Boys. They have set quite a bit of um, races and, and FKTs even in the past couple months. Uh, these guys have been hammering away and preparing for Eastern States uh, as their next next big come up and goal. So uh, we're going to talk to these guys tonight, get a little insight, maybe some behind the scenes on, on what they're up to and what they've been doing and go from there. So uh, let's start with uh, kind of the biggest thing, uh, this FKT attempt. So give us a little bit on uh, how you even came up with this idea and, and what was it about and how you decided to uh, set out on this 159 mile journey, really. Yeah, well, uh, Brandon, thanks, thanks for having us. Uh, just looking forward to chatting about running, things we love talking about. And yeah, the FKT was something that, you know, we, we, someone introduced us to the idea, Jake Martinez, the race director for Keystone Backyard Ultra. And he, we were just chatting with him one night and Albert was talking about one of his dreams, which is to uh, through hike the AT. And Jake said, man, if you guys are interested in things like that, have I got an idea for you? And honestly, Albert and I were up here just north of Scranton. The DNL trail is what we, we set an FKT on, and it starts in Wilkesbury. So right in kind of this metro area. And we kind of knew the trail existed. I'd run a half marathon on it uh, down, I think it's like Northampton, Sladenson area. They hold a half marathon, but never realized how long that trail was. So once Jake suggested the idea, Albert, is it fair to say, I think that night we basically it was already knew, over. We're, yeah. Yeah. We're doing yeah. this. Yeah. Cause Jake had had a, a zoom call with us and uh, we were just talking over some things because he was his first time holding a, a, a backyard ultra. We had done two of those at that point. He was just really eager to pick our brain to make sure he had everything in line. And uh, as we got talking, that came out. And when we were done with all the business end of it, I was like, hold up. We're going to, what did you say? <laughs> you know, we wanted to know like, wait, 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 this is just south of us. There's no FKT on it. No one's ever even attempted it yet. Uh, what do we got to do? And interesting thing was, first thing he said was you need the GPX file. If you know your GPS watches, they all produce a GPX file. And that GPX file, basically Jake and his dad had produced one that was nearly complete but no one had gone and run the whole thing or biked the whole thing all the way through. Literally, Dan was the first one to go all the way through this thing. And, you know, it, it was just one of those things you step back and look at and you're like, gosh, what an honor to have those guys say, hey, here's your opportunity. We, we, we tried it last year. It didn't work out. You know, some things went wrong with that attempt. And um, here you go, you know, and it was just like, gosh, it's a gift. And I think everyone... Anybody that knows anything about FKTs, it's kind of like a treasured secret. If you've got something going on and you've got an attempt coming up, you don't necessarily broadcast it, you know? So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. What, where, where are we at next after that, Dan? Uh, Yo, so I, I know. Was... Oh, go ahead, Dan. No, I was going to say, that's one of the things that interest, interest, interested us in it. You know, I, I'm not an especially fast runner, and, and, and I'm not sure I ever will be. Uh, but knowing that there was no FKT yet produced, the, the distance didn't scare us. The fact that we had to go out there and we had to, to, to nonstop yet go after 159 miles, that, that didn't intimidate us. We were excited. And knowing that, hey, <laughs> if this gets really ugly, no matter how bad it gets, we're, we're going to be able to get this thing as long as we don't break a leg. Uh, so we were, we, were pretty, we were pretty happy by that to find something so big such a historical piece of Eastern Pennsylvania with this trail, really, uh, through, the, through the numerous communities that it goes through, and to find out that no one had, no one had yet logged an FKT on it. Yeah, um, so I know, so where did, uh, give us the reference point of where this trail started and where it ended. Yeah, it starts in, well, the, the, that was the other great thing. Jake connected us through, and they already did all the work with, you know, fastest non known time to verify where the trail is going to go because parts of it are still under construction. So you right. can find so, your way through it. Uh, but but we started where the trail, where the northern terminus will be. 
and it uh -huh. is marked. It's it's marked. It's got a post that says the Northern Terminus of DNL. And for the next like 30 miles, that's it, or 16 or 18, whatever it is, until you get to the next official parking lot. There's nothing without the DNL uh, Conservancy organization actually giving Jake and his dad the actual file saying, this is where we're going to put our trail. Here it is. Here's exactly the weave to it and, and where it's going to go around the mountain. They gave Jake and um, uh, Mike that, and they gave that to us. I mean, that was like the crucial point. So if you hear anybody said, oh, I've run the whole DNL, you, you don't because we're the only ones with the GPX file until it got up on the FKT website. Uh, that was, that is the official first full run through marker of that right so i was gonna say i remember um so i had the opportunity to come pace you guys for a few miles on the attempt and one thing i remember you saying was that the start of this trail really wasn't there yet there was still you had to bushwhack a little bit kind of run on these double tracks through the woods um, before you actually hit this rail trail and so not only did you have to kind of put up with the endurance and uh, you know, sustains a mile. A little pathfinding. <laughs> in the beginning, yeah, you almost had to do some navigation and a little adventure running to even start this journey um, in the first place. So that was that was very cool. Um, yeah, and, and and we love that, Brandon. We're at home. We're at home in the woods. So most of the DNL is going to be a cinder packed, you know, uh, basically a rails to trails, and we're we're just so at home wandering around in the woods, but. Yeah, you know, you get a little nervous doing an FKT. You, you got to make sure your watch doesn't ping up and say you're off track, you're off course. At that point, you're adding unnecessary distance. You're worried about the integrity of the recording. Uh, but we went out and we did some reconnaissance runs. That's on our north end starting here in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. And uh, we, we felt pretty good about it. We also started during the daytime. So we felt, again, pretty good finding our way, uh, the correct way, using daylight to help. So when I met you guys, I met you guys in Jim Thorpe, PA, um, and paced you right about to Lehigh Gap. Uh, so when you met me, how many miles, you were about 50 miles in at that point, correct? Yeah, yeah really Jim, Jim Thorpe was about a third, yeah. <laughs> All the fun right, started so, after Jim Thorpe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it was so crazy because, so Jake Martinez, um, the race director of Keystone Backyard and kind of the guy who helped start this and put this together um sent out an email to all the entrants for keystone and said hey dan and, and albert are attempting this fkt this weekend if you have time or want to go out and support or pace uh and i didn't have anything major planned that weekend so i said yeah i said let's let's go do it let's go you know help pace these guys and go support um and but and it's can funny i just pause you I there had... for a second brandon because honestly had he not sent out that email there's some parts where I think Dan and I are in agreement. It probably wouldn't have happened without having the crews of people spread out throughout there. Because it's like, for me and Dan, it's fine because we're together. But when I dropped out with the, the feet issues and Dan goes on, it's like without you guys spaced out all throughout the trail. I mean, it. I, I don't know if Dan would have made it, to be honest with you. I mean. No, no. And, and, and Albert, yeah, you know, we, we've been, we, we know each other so well. We can speak pretty honestly. 100% right um, for a couple of reasons. You know, I, I needed at the, at the tail end, I just needed the motivation to go on without him after the 106 mile mark, knowing that people, Brandon, like you, who we'd never met, had come together excited about this idea. And it, and it just blew us away to know that people would care about this attempt, about who we were, and just want to help us get through and you know their names their their names are in the in the story that we posted to fastest known time and we shared on facebook and instagram but beyond that they came out to help us go after the trophy so to speak and we're so thankful for that but but also you know that second night this was the first time i'd been awake uh through a second night i've done we've done races overnight we like nighttime running we we do we're normally doing half of our training uh in in the dark usually mornings but with headlamps on but when it came to that second night and i'd already been awake for at that point nearly 40 hours without sleep uh honestly it came down to one of those final pacers just helping me keep my sanity and there were times where i had lost it 
but just telling me, keep moving forward, keep walking. All you can do is walk right now, but you know, you know, there's no way we would have done this alone. And, and we didn't realize that going into it. This was, this was the longest run we'd ever gone after. And uh, we just, we learned what it's like to be out there when you're not a part of a race, you're not looking for aid stations. You're just, you're just dependent on sheer will and determination. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, um, so I meet you guys at around 50 miles, um, had never met you guys before this really didn't know who you were until Jake sent this email. Um, <laughs> and so I picked Jim Thorpe cause it's relatively close to where I, where I live. And the time that you guys came through is right about three 30 in the morning. So I show up to Jim Thorpe, nobody's in town. Uh, I find the parking lot where you guys are coming through, uh, meet these two random guys at three 30 in the morning to go run. However many odd miles through the woods on this trail. And I thought, what could go wrong? You know, <laughs> these guys they seem pretty legit, but you never know. It's two versus uh, one. I mean, anything could happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I hook up with you guys. I meet Landon, um, your crew chief at the time, and guy who kind of crewed you through the whole whole FKT attempt. Um, talk to him for a while. You guys come through and you start off. Um, and I was with you. So right after, I want to say Lee Heighton it was, we hit the 100 mile to go marker. Yeah. You know yeah, Lee Heighton, um, yeah. Yep, so we hit that, and at the time, uh, Albert, you were still doing pretty good. Um, I was still on board, yeah, and then it was like the last, it was shortly after the 100 mark, man. I just started like, you could feel it, and my, I, this is where we start talking about what happens to 2% downgrade at 100 miles, because the bottoms of your feet feel like a thousand needles going through the bottom. Like we've done hundred mile races, never felt that before. It's like a very unique sensation to what occurs to your feet when it's the same surface. Doo -doo 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 -doo. It's all same thing over and over again, over and over, never changes. I mean, that's, it's a very unique sensation. I mean, I don't know how it happened. I mean, I'm, I'm about 50 pounds heavier than Dan. Let's just all be honest here. I'm a lot taller. I'm like, I, like, I just got big hips. I don't know, whatever you want to say. <laughs> But um, I think I started noticing that probably a little bit more and a little bit more severe than Dan did at that time. His kicked in probably later. I will say Dan has a tendency to use a little more painkillers than I'm willing to do sometimes. I <laughs> <laughs> see, but, Albert, I would say the opposite normally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, right, right about then. I mean, I, I remember one spot where it was really bad. They had uh, construction on a trail going on. And had a big excavator sitting on the trail. Do you remember that, Dan? Yeah. I made the walk around that, and my feet were just like, ah, I didn't even want to touch them. They hurt so bad. And I just can't explain it to you. Because, I, you know, you go to uh, OBU, Ohio's Backyard Ultra, run 116. I got blisters, but none of that nerve pain, not a single ounce of it. And that was just, it was really special, actually, to, like, see the difference between that. Yeah, so... Um, you know, if you mention to people that you're running, you know, these long miles on the flat, uh, sometimes the reaction is, oh, it's probably not bad. You know, it's flat. You have no hills, nothing to, you know, it's easy. Right. Um, but I think the hills and the flat, the flat is another silent killer. You know, it's easy and it, you feel really good at the beginning, um, you know, no matter what you're doing, but your muscles and your stride really never change it's kind of that same robotic motion um you know stride after stride and you don't have any roots or rocks to hop over no uphills or downhills to relax and reset maybe power hike a little bit um you're just kind of going and so those same muscles are are getting destroyed stride after stride and um like you said it, after a while it just takes its toll no matter who you are I'm getting PTSD just listening to you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? Sure. Tell me more. <laughs> so, um, so I guys leave you at Lehigh Gap, um, do roughly 12, 13 miles with you. Um, you pick up Jake's dad, um, who was with you for a little bit afterwards. And then... Dan, when Albert left, um, how many miles roughly did you have left? 
55. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, we had 55, which, you know, normally Brandon, I mean, Albert and I consistently do, you know, at least marathons, but we, we really like 50 K's on the weekend training. So, you know, the idea of going out and putting down, you know, 50 K on a Saturday, that's not intimidating. We'll just get up a little early or we'll be home for lunch, but yeah, 55 miles is what was left. And, you, you know, that's, that's what was also getting to Albert and I is, as we were doing the math, it was just coming down to the sheer, as we slowed down, the sheer time we were going to be out there started to really seem really get intimidating more than miles time started getting t- intimidating. So, so Albert, uh, Albert taps and Dan, you still have roughly 55 miles. Um, you're already over a hundred in the bag already at this point. Um, you still have another 55 to go. Did you have many highs and lows up until that point going through? And then what was the mental um, yeah, kind I'm of impact with Albert? I want to answer one of those because I want to back up. We had to dodge <laughs> we had to dodge uh, uh, park rangers throughout the night. That was the other thing. Like, we didn't realize that, like, oh, we thought we could just run through this trail. And the park rangers stopped us at one point. We're like, yo, you can't be here. We're like, we're in the middle of something pretty big here. Yeah. Uh, here's what it is here. Like, I just want you to understand this. Like, and he's like, all right, fine. Get out of here. As far as I'm concerned, you guys are down here fishing. I told you to go home, get through and don't stop. And it was like, yeah, so, so that, this that, whole attempt was almost uprooted by these park rangers that you met along the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And then, and then the crazy thing was we had a couple, one drop point where Landon was supposed to come down and give us a bag of food or give us like a resupply. It was right in the middle of like where all, where all the rangers were hubbing up at the night and sitting there. So like he like slips down in there, drops a bag off where we knew he could spit it, and then just peels out of there and takes off. <laughs> and we have to come through. It was like felt like you were doing a recon mission or something. Like it was. And so that stuff wears on you though, because it's not relaxing. You're not just into it. I remember being pretty stressed out trying to get through there. So yeah, I mean that happened. Then, you know, as the morning progresses, I drop and then Dan's going into this and it's already been stressful one or two times and then it really picks up. Yeah, yeah. So, so Albert dropped just before second sunset. And, you, you know, honestly, I had one of my highs and this has nothing to do with him leaving, but it was once he was gone. I was so frustrated that I really just dug in. I threw my headphones in. We've been listening to music a little bit the night before. We don't do much music at all training. So I threw in my headphones, just kind of entered into some isolation by myself. And over the next like 10 miles, I actually get our get our pace, my pace back on target where I wanted to be. Uh, I mean, just consistent, consistent miles, felt really good, spirits were really good, everything was humming. Uh, other than that, I I had some good runners high for the last three miles, obviously, because at that point, nothing matters other than finishing. But really, if you break that 55 miles down, after those first 10, it starts unraveling. Uh, again, I really underestimate how hard it is to be awake for a full second night. Um, I did try laying down on the trail once. I was pretty nervous, really great pace for that night, but I was pretty nervous he was going to let me fall asleep, and all of a sudden I was going to lose two hours. So I think I laid there, it was supposed to be five minutes. I laid there for four minutes. And I don't know how many times I asked him, are we out of time? Are we out of time? Are we out of time? He kept saying no, kept saying he was watching it. Uh, but eventually I just stand up and, and we keep walking. But um, <laughs> I would say that second night, it was a, it was a pretty low point. A lot of tears. Um, I mean, I started, I, you know, I started crying, Albert, the first day. I mean, about mile 75, maybe 80. Yeah, um, about mile 80. Just frustrated at the pain. Again, we trained a lot on single track in the woods. We each three weeks earlier, we each put down over a hundred miles. Albert with uh, twenty-seven yards, me with twenty-five yards in a backyard ultra. We were feeling really good going into this. No pain, no issues, and it was it was it was inexplicable. And and, and honestly, I think one of the big reactions for both of us was frustration. It you know flat, slightly downhill. It's a dream. It should be a dream. It should be easy. Yeah, it yep. seemed like we shouldn't even be breaking a sweat, but it, it destroyed it destroyed us with no deviation in what we were doing. That's crazy. That's so crazy. 
Um, so you get a little bit of this high um, a couple miles after Albert leaves. And was there ever a point when you got close, even though you had already done over two-thirds of this, this FKT attempt, um, that you thought, you know, this weekend just isn't the weekend and let's tap, let's regroup and, you know, maybe give it another shot in a year or two? Yeah, on, honestly, that was never a thought. Um, and, and it came down to two things. It came down to there was no time on it. So I'm not, listen, I'm not thrilled with the time we put down. It was 46 hours, 23 minutes. The entire schedule was built for 40 hours. I'd love to get 40 hours on it. So I'm, I'm not thrilled with 46. That was a little bittersweet, right, to set an FKT. But I'm a numbers guy. I'm the one who's in charge of our pace charts. I'm the one who's in charge of our mileage logs and, and training <laughs> together. So to lose the numbers game was hard. But I think, I think like a lot of ultra runners have realized to do, and I think like we all really need to learn to do well, is you've got to set a series of, you know, your A, a goal, your B goal, your C goal. So our A goal was 40 hours. That was out the window. Our B goal had a pretty big gap, which was 48. And the seagull was just be done before the third sunset. <laughs> and if, if we got close to that third sunset, I, I think I would have lost my mind. Um, but knowing, knowing that I could walk the entire rest of the way and still be done before sunset, you know, third sunset, uh, which was really what the fourth day, because we started halfway through Friday anyways. Um, then we really, I really knew there was no reason to quit. Also, honestly, part of it's this, right? Brandon, think of, think of what you just described. We had no idea who you were. You had no idea who we are. A race director connected us and you were willing to get out of bed at a crazy time, right? Times that don't make sense to people who don't do ultra marathons, right? Times that only make sense to ultra marathoners. You came out, waited for us in the middle of a parking lot. We were behind schedule. You were patient. And there was you and, I don't know, seven, eight other people who came out and dedicated some part of their weekend, some part of their energy. And they gave that to Albert and I. And we knew going into it, Albert and I had had conversations about what was going to happen if one of us couldn't finish. So we knew the other person had to carry that torch. And we were doing it for ourselves. But in a large way, we were doing it for the people, the pacers, our crew guy. Yeah, you start family. to feel you start to feel a little guilt. Like, hey, these people we've done organized. There's so much emotion at this point. It's like trying to stop it, uh, you know, like a flood water. You just can't. You just gotta. If I drop, go. If he drops, go. Somebody's got to keep moving. Yeah. Actually, I think Dan had more pressure on him after I dropped than than us going into it. Honestly, because now it's up to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you the last night's then, and you uh, it all came down to Dan. So. You get through these next couple miles. Um, at what point did you know, getting closer, um, that you you had this in the bag no matter what? And um, kind of walk us through those last couple miles and what was going through your head um, as you came into the to the southern terminus. Yeah, well, well, I will go back a little bit after that good ten miles I put down. When I picked up my it was my last scheduled pacer, but we had a surprise pacer at the end, a guy who returned from the day before because it took us so long he could come run with us again or, or run with me again at that point. Um, but when I, when I picked up that pacer, I was so resolute at that point mentally. And I said to him, I said, I said, you're ready to make history. Let's do this. And he's like, let's go. And, and, and you could ask him, you know, at the, and I went in and out of hallucinations that night after that point. But when I was lucid, I'm, the time is what gets you, right? You slow down. I mean, at this point, I'm putting down 15-minute mile is a good mile once I'm past the, the 130 miles, right, in the 140s. You're, you're doing 18-minute miles, and, and you're kind of proud of them, which is insane to think of. Uh, finally, so I get this guy who comes out. I was Okay, so I lose, I lose that last scheduled pacer. I have nine miles to go. At that point, I'm doing a 20-minute mile. That's three hours. That's insane to think about because, because Brandon, you know what you can put down in three hours. You can put some miles away in three hours. So to think nine miles, I mean, that's my house to Albert's house, right? Albert, you just ran that tonight. He just called me and said, Hey, I ran to your house and turned around running home. That's no big deal. 
Uh, but, but knowing that at a 20 minute mile, you know, completely debilitated three hours, you, you want to die, right? It's just, it's terrible. So it's Sunday morning. He leaves me. I'm on my own. I've got to find the finish line. This is all new to me. I'm not expecting to see anybody. I'm not even scheduled to see crew at this point. I'm just going to go the final nine miles by myself. Um, it's a more urban area. It starts to rain. I think it'd been raining a little bit that morning. Um, I start to all of a sudden, my mind, you know, your mind is playing tricks on you. My mind starts realizing I'm in no shape to do anything, uh, let alone be walking around, you know, essentially North Philadelphia uh, with, you know, $2,000 of electric, electronic gear on me, right between the watch and the Beats earbuds and our somewhere GPS tracker and my iPhone, right? You start... I'm a pretty easy target if anybody wanted to do anything to me. So that's the thought that's going through my mind. I start trying to call people. I can't get anybody on the phone. Apparently, you know, all my friends and family are in church on Sunday morning. Well, I, I I, do you remember, Dan? I talked to you like two or three times throughout the night. You had given me a call. And, and, I don't uh, remember. Yeah. 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 You give me a call. You're like, Albert, I don't even know what to do. I'm like, no, okay, it's good, man. How you feeling? What's your feet feel like? You know, whatever. And then, um, Talk about the glitch, Dan. Oh, when, like when I broke down? No, your watch. When you oh, yeah. Well, well, yeah that thing yeah, yeah. literally, I mean, like, <laughs> we almost lost the whole thing from a technical standpoint. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we, we love Koros. Listen, we're really, we're really happy. You know, we both, no offense to them, we both come from Garmin. We've come from many, many years on Garmin. But we've been really thrilled to run uh, with Coros products for the last two years. And we, we love them. We've never had any issues. This was the first time we tried to <laughs> charge during an activity, which we're supposed to be able to do, but we should have practiced it. And I was charging just fine. And when I unplugged, the whole thing shut off. And at that point, I did start to panic because we had to, fortunately, we used Pacers GPX files. And we did have a, you know, a live beacon on us because for FKT over, I think it's a, I think it's a hundred miles. You have to have a beacon other than just your watch. Uh, so we, we pulled the data together, but that was, that was a pretty scary blip at the end, but thinking about, you know, just kind of being resolved. I know I, I headed out on that last nine miles and here comes a pacer who was not scheduled, who we'd seen the day before. I thought it was like a mirage. Like, what is this guy doing out here? I'm hallucinating again. And he said, Hey man, I've been tracking you on that beacon. I've been tracking you all night and I was at home and I said to my wife, I'm, I'm going to go find him. He's still moving. So he came out and found me and we finished and we got to the point. Uh, we had about three, three and a half miles left. And we knew that beacon was what we we're going to rely on. Not having to watch again, you got to submit something to fastest known time to verify. So we knew that beacon was the thing. I realized I was going to get, that's what it was. I was doing the math to get a sub 48. And I had our pace that I was mostly walk, a little bit of run to be able to get a sub 48. And in talking with this guy, his name's Ray. I said, oh, wait, Ray, this beacon only goes off every 10 minutes. We might have to stand there for 10 minutes. So I redo the math, right? With this mind that's been awake for 50 hours at this point, over 50 hours. I redo the math and I'm like, we got to go a little faster. And it just seems physically unbearable at this point. And finally, it's just, I just stop. And I'm like, you know what, Ray, screw it. We need to finish. I'm done. Like I'm done coming in with a minute to spare, waiting for a beacon so I can somehow see a four seven on the front of this thing. And we just we took off. And uh, Ray got a video of it. I mean, I felt so good. I was brace yourself, Brandon. I was running as fast as nine fifteen, nine twenty a mile. Which you know, you're not setting any records out there. You don't even look fast. The cars going by. You just look like you're out for a morning jog but I felt like the fastest runner in the world and we didn't stop that last three and a half miles and, you know, running the difference between a, a you know, 20 minute mile and a nine minute mile is pretty big mathematically. And we came uh -oh. in the end, not the way we expected it, but, you know, again, you, you got to reset and have, have different things you're going to find satisfaction because, right for each of us we can talk through we could do this for any number of races we've been in does everything always go according to 
plan, there's always something. And, and you've got to react to it and plan accordingly. Yeah. In a nutshell, we, we, we are so well taken care of. Um, yeah. But we're hold just. On, hold on. Just I, 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 want, I want to say one thing, Dan. So I woke up about an hour prior to him coming in. I was rested. I got to see him. But you know what? It was really cool. Is watching somebody collapse. Nothing left. It's all been left out on the line. Comes in, blazing fast, just drops on the ground. It's like, it's over. It's done. And the best part, I'll never forget this the rest of my life. Dan, shut the watch off. <laughs> and watching him up so long, he's like, he's just like trying to hit it. And he doesn't even know. It. He's like, ah, I don't know how to shut my watch off. It's like, it's just gone. You're done. You're mentally done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's a video of, uh, of Dan coming in and kind of hitting the terminus. There's this big plaque almost that sits in the, yeah. in the center of the ground there. And, uh, so Dan, I remember you uh, seeing you hit it, and you just you just fall to your knees. And then in the background, you could hear Albert saying, "Get the watch! Stop the watch!" <laughs> Reach over, try and hit this thing off. Um, but then it's over. It's done. No more sleepless nights. You get back, you know, to the hotel and take a hot shower, and um, there's no more. Real quick, give us your best hallucination if you could remember them at a point where you were like. Is this true? Is there really a jaguar sitting in a hammock, or is it just like? <laughs> well, so so visual hallucinations. Um, I was watching TV on the ground, like good TV. Like I, I was watching like cartoons, but they were flying by so quick. And I and I was telling this to my pacer. I was like, dude, like there goes SpongeBob, there goes Mickey Mouse, there goes Winnie the Pooh. And I was like, here's the thing, you think I'm making it up, but I'm seeing it because I couldn't make it up this quickly. And I was like, watch, I'll prove it. And I just started rattling off really fast, like a ton of cartoon characters because I was seeing them. And I was like, if I'm not seeing them, then there's no way I could sit here. And, like right now, I, I, that was it. I can name like three cartoons. I just went off with like all different, I mean, Looney Tunes, Disney, everything there was. <laughs> Watching TV, you, you know, you have a headlamp. You're looking at this cinder pack trail. There's no change to it. And it just played, it played with my eyes. Um, blank canvas, Dan. <laughs> so that was, that was visual, but I, you know, I had some, I had some tough times, like emotionally, right. My, my crew guy gave a slight grumble and I about lost it about how much harder this was than it was supposed to be. Um, I'm really a schedule guy. So being late on schedule, not having a plan for Sunday was throwing me off. Um, I mean, in, in a parking lot, in New Hope, I think it is. It's just it's just around where George Washington crossed the Delaware uh, between Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And I'm in this parking lot and I'm just like screaming, freaking out. And I back up and my eyes, Brandon, my eyes get like, I can feel it. And they told me this. They're huge. Like, and I back up and I'm like, oh no, I've been here before. This <laughs> is a bad place. Bad things happen here. We got to get out of here, guys. I mean straight up panicked i've never been to new hope pennsylvania before right i can i can now guarantee that was absolutely my first time in that parking lot but i was convinced it was a bad place and we had to leave so <laughs> that, that's so yeah no jaguars and hammocks but uh, <laughs> cartoon characters and some emotional breakdowns that's so crazy you say that um because back in november when i ran wtf um kind of a different format of a last man standing race uh this one was 6.2 every three hours uh we were sometime i was sometime in the second night or early that morning um and it was nighttime and i never i run at night quite often i'll purposely go out at night a lot of times um i love it like i'll go in the woods and single checks it doesn't really bother me to be out there in the middle of the night you know running miles um, but for whatever reason, like two laps in a row, um, I was doing this, I was up on a trail and it was really like a short rail trail, um, type of trail. So super flat, super easy. And there was the road down to the left of me and then woods kind of up the side of the mountain to the right. And you run behind this one gas station where there's lights kind of up on the trail. And I would see my shadow and get freaked out that there were these shadow guys and it wasn't a hallucination because it really was there but it wasn't 
I just got super scared. I got this feeling of like, I need to get back. Like, I don't want to be up here anymore. Um, and like afraid of the dark type of thing. Um, so that's cool that you, you kind of had a similar thing where you're like freaking out, um, you know, saying that you don't want to be there anymore and you need to get out. Um, and I've had almost a similar experience of just that fear of like being where you are. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's, and it's, it's good. Like, it's a good, like, I'm ready to feel it again. Right. There's something, there's something to that to feel yourself get to the brink of, of who you are as a human. Uh, honestly, one of the pacers that first night, I didn't outright say it to him this way, but this is what I was thinking is I thought he was kidnapping me. Cause all of a sudden all my mind knew is I'm alone in the woods with someone. I have no idea who this guy is. Albert's gone. Albert's supposed to be here. Now, Albert had dropped, but my mind was immediately thinking this guy did something to Albert. So I made him tell me who I was and who he was. Well, how'd you find me? How did you know I was going to be here? Who are you? Why, why won't you leave me? Right. And, oh man, the guy just handled it with, <laughs> with pretty good poise, great dignity. And, uh, you know, didn't you treat know, me like a lunatic that I was acting like. No, seriously, if we ever do something that dumb again, we have got to force them to record us because we have got to have video evidence of this because like it's gold, it's literal gold, man. You have a lucid person and a completely insane person. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, I think that's one thing that really, if you're not an ultra runner and, and don't involve yourself in the community that you never really know. And it's kind of hard to believe that, that you could push hard enough or be out there long enough that, you start to do these things and you really start to hallucinate and get these weird feelings that you've never had before in your life and might never have again. And you can't explain, um, but you're just out there. And, you know, when you try and explain this to people, so most of the time it's, you know, uh, you know, you're just kind of making it up or exaggerating it a little bit, but um, you can't make up that you're sitting on the ground watching cartoons, you know, it's just something that <laughs> unless you're there and, and it happens, um, you know, you don't come up with something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't make it up. You don't predict it. And it's just, you just ride with it. Yeah, I've only had one experience like that. I was awake for over 40 some hours on a hiking trip uh, with some guys up on Mount Katahdin in Maine on the AT. And somebody had to basically go down and get the car, drive around, meet everybody over in the morning, hike up and meet everybody and go down. And thunderstorms, they all stayed there. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll be the guy to go. I go down blueberry ledges uh, right off of Katahdin and uh, I start hallucinating. And the only thing I've ever seen in my life that I thought was so real is I picked up a big old limb, like three or four inches round. And I was convinced there was a five to six foot tall wolf behind me getting ready to eat me. And man, I picked that thing up. I just turned around and swung as hard as I could and hit nothing but air. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. And about five more minutes down the road, you're like, gosh, she's behind me again. And it's like, your brain is breaking. It's literally snapping because it's not supposed to be doing what you're doing to it. That's a great feeling. I'm glad all three of us have had those shared experiences because it's, you're starting to play in la-la land, man. <laughs> yeah, so um, so you get there, Dan, you do this 159-mile journey, um, kind of set yourself in the record books almost, so to say. Um, the FKT is yours and now you could go home kind of chillax and what was the day afterwards like you know or the hours afterwards um did your body ask you why you did that multiple times or or you know what was the recovery like stuff like that you know it was uh it was usual like ultra stiffness right you're tight you're you're hobbling i, I did you know i had a i had a considerable amount of open wounds on my feet that needed to be patched and, and just kind of sealed up. Um, so, you know, some different skin, skin issues going on. Uh, but overall, I mean, yeah, we, we, the plan was we were supposed to go home Sunday morning, but we didn't finish until, you know, Sunday midday. So we grabbed a hotel outside of Philly and, you know, Albert, this is, this is what it is to be running buddies. Albert came, helped, helped, you know, me and my family get into the hotel room and just get us set up. And we ordered Papa John's. I like pizza to celebrate after an ultra. Um, and having not eaten anything good, you know, for a while, uh, that was that was definitely important. Um, I took a little bit to get my sleep clock back. So that night, after that first night, so I'd been awake, you know, I think it was about 57 hours. 
uh, I fall asleep for a 20 minute nap and I wake up and I stay awake for another four hours. Right. That 20 minute nap is pretty important at the hotel. You know, and then I wake up at 2 a.m. What's that? Just mark that as something to keep in mind. 20 minutes off buys you hours later. That that's something that I don't think we included in our thought process for the planning. We could have taken 20 minutes, pulled up, laid down and that's a perfect example of an overtired guy getting 20 minutes of sleep. And you're like, well, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, definitely. Definitely lost some energy. And I think even there's almost a scientific side to that. Um, if you look into sleep schedules, um, I haven't, I've gone into it very lightly, but I believe it's like 27 minutes or something um, is enough time for your body to go through like that first REM cycle of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so even a 27 or 25 minute nap could buy you, like you said, hours um, for something like that. Yeah, so I, I woke up that first night then at 2 a.m. And that was it. I was awake for the rest of the day. Um, I think actually, so I, I, work at a, I work at a university as an accountant and I adjunct a class. We got home in time so that I could show up and, and teach at one o'clock. Loser. I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have no idea. Maybe that was the craziest class of those students' lives. I felt like I was still on point. We were talking through some things and all of a sudden halfway, I'm like, oh, I just realized I've slept like six hours or like six and a half hours since I saw you guys in class last Thursday or something like that. And they just like, <laughs> look at me. And I'm like, I've, I've been awake for a pretty long time. That's, I was like, I slept last night, but that's pretty cool. Isn't it? And they're just they're like, yeah, that's me. And I'm, and I'm there teaching. I'm all dressed up, Brandon. I've got flip-flops on because my feet are so swollen and so damaged. There's no way shoes are going on my feet. Right. And just giant black blister coming off my toe. So yeah, no, the, the recovery, it was just, it, it was, it, by the end of that week, actually, that next weekend, um, I did a seven mile hike in the Adirondacks and felt muscles, all that stuff was all back in place. Um, I have had an ongoing issue that did seem to arise from this. Um, and I started, I showed up to run Keystone backyard and it fell apart in 20 miles and I hadn't been trained. I'm really, at this point, I'm having a tough time getting over three miles, um, so I'm seeing a physical therapist. They think it's plantar fascia. And at this point, um, they're going to they're gonna recommend that I go for some imaging and find out if it's not just a normal plantar fasciitis, but if I've actually torn it. Um, because at this point, three months later, they would have expected to see some type of response. But, you know, that stinks. I mean, running has not really been happening for me. I probably have a total of 40 miles in the last three months, which just eats away, right? We've all we've all been injured at some point and it just eats away at you as a person, let alone as an athlete. And I just keep telling myself, it's fun to relive these stories. It's fun to look at the pictures and the videos. Uh, because I even said to Albert the other day, when we were talking about me not running, I said, Hey man, it was still worth it. It was still worth it with, with no doubt in my mind. Month six. It's still <laughs> worth it, Albert. It's still worth it. <laughs> I want to, I want to be, I want to be uh, in, at this point, so you mentioned Eastern States. That's the next big thing on Albert's radar. I've backed out of Eastern States. I do have a 24-hour race. We're both signed up for it. And I'll, and I'll go do that, and I'll, and I'll walk some miles uh, just for fun. But at this point, you know, Albert and I are making plans for what the spring racing season is going to look like. Um, because if I can get healed here by early fall, uh, even mid-fall, then some really diligent training, just be incredibly disciplined, diet, sleep, training, all the avenues fully sold out. Uh, we, we'd expect ideally some, some great performances next spring. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so Albert, you recently talking about upcoming plans, just got into Zion, right? Is that blue? Zion yeah, let's not talk about um, Keystone Backyard Ultra because that was a complete trash show for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, real quick, going back to Keystone, um, Dan, like you mentioned, um, kind of tapping out a little earlier than expected um, at Keystone. I remember coming through maybe lap seven or eight and um, running back up that last little incline uh, kind of back to the parking lot into the finish area there. Um and I didn't think, I, I remember seeing you and I said to myself that I didn't 
remember you passing me or kind of running with you on the trail. So I'm like, huh, like, you know, something must be up. Uh, and I remember slowing down next to you and going, hey, man, you know, how you feeling? How's it going? And uh, you just looking over and saying, I'm done. And I'm like, it kind of took me back almost and um, almost got a little emotional kind of because this guy, you know, that I ran with um, a couple weeks prior just crushed this journey. And, you know, here he is 25, 30 miles into a race. And, you know, he says, I'm done. I'm tapping out. So um, I think it just goes to show that, you know, this sport um, has its challenges of its own and there's no such thing as a perfect day. You know, there's a lot of good days and there's a lot of bad days. Um, Brandon, even if you you take Hard Rock 100 and you look at that and uh, what's what's her name there? Um, Uh, Courtney Dahlwalter. Done at 50. Just gut issues. And then you've got um, the other guy there that, uh, what the heck's his name, Dan? He took uh, 30, 35 hours and 59 minutes to get in. Um, yeah, Mike, Mike Wardian, which, Wardian, you know, which, which is just like runner. unheard of for him. But he had gut issues again. I told Dan, I said, what restaurant did they eat at the night before? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's know? just things that you can never... It's yeah. such an unpredictable sport, but such a fun one at the same time, you know, and it's the unpredictable things that make or break your day and could sometimes be awesome or sometimes end your day. But, you know, when you look back on it, there's a lot of things that are out of your control and, you know, just happen and it, you're either going to be on it that day or you're not. And there's going to be more in the future to make up for it. And those good days are always going to make up, I think, for those bad ones. Um, yeah, well, at least Dan had an excuse. I did not. OK, it got the only thing I'm going to say is it got really hot, really fast in Pennsylvania. And I was in no way prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a warm day. Um, and one of the highlights, the funniest parts was, Albert, I remember running past you and you had a whole jar uh like a 32 ounce jar of mandarin oranges and i, I remember walking because your tent was right in front of mine like two rows yeah. so I you. and i would walk over um to you guys you know it w- with the two minute warning and walk to the line with you line up and you walk over with this top of mandarin oranges i'm like oh it's like a good idea you know and i'm like oh he's just gonna eat these you know before and jake rings the bell and we get off and we're like half a mile down the road. <laughs> and Albert's there. <laughs> like, there's no way he's running with this thing and runs the whole loop with this jar. <laughs> like, that's incredible. Well, and the issue was, this is born out of necessity, right? You don't have enough time in camp. You got to take this stuff on the road with you. Otherwise, you're not going to get what you need. <laughs> yeah. 100%. The other time I had a tray of watermelon with me on another lap. <laughs> uh that so we would like to have a better performance of that at some point in the future whether it's next year or the year after that we definitely want to go back and resurrect that and uh leave a better taste in our mouth than what we had that time but yeah so i you know i think from that you know i walked away and said i got to stop showing up to a race injured there's no excuse to show up if you're not healthy if you're not healthy pull your registration you know there's no shame in that uh, the other thing, too, and this is a debate between Albert and I. Albert, I don't think we've wrestled this yet. What should a spring schedule look like? So March, we do Ohio's Backyard. We each get over 100, have a great day. We own, we really kind of stopped because we wanted to preserve the FKT. Uh, I mean, if we, if we didn't have the FKT, we could have wrecked our bodies more. I basically needed a sock change and some food. Uh, Albert, you know, he was having some blister issues, but again – if, if that were the only thing we were doing in, you know, this year, by all means, we would have kept going. So we come home with, again, 25 and, and 27 hours, you know, yards complete. And we do the FKT for three weeks later. And then we've got Keystone Backyard four weeks later. So the recovery periods between those events starts getting so much longer that we lose our training. And part of that was temperature acclimation. Right. That's an important time of year as it's getting warmer, but we were just, our bodies just needed to not run. So, (laughs) so we got to figure out, you know, how to, what is an appropriate schedule? Not with small things, you know, if we're doing 50 K, we could do 50 Ks all day long, but you start doing some of these, you know, two, two back-to-back events, well over a hundred miles. Right now at this point in our career, we, we probably need to figure out how much time to leave in there. Yeah. And that's, we're already starting to, pace and figure out for the spring so yeah um 
Eastern States is coming up April or uh, August 15th. So that's, I'm, I'm basically running that solo. Dan's going to crew with our other crew guy. They're going to cruise around together. And so that'll be cool. Cause we, I have never, and neither has Dan done an A to B 100. You never have. We've done a, we came in second and third at a 50 one time. And that was a loop still, but nothing in A to B. So this will be like a first, first time thing for either of us in an official race. So that'll be kind of cool. Um, and then April, yeah, <laughs> they were giving away these tickets to Zion Ultra. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, Dan, get in there. Let's just like, you know, you're doing everything to max your points out so you can see if you can win this thing. Didn't win it. And I messaged them afterwards and I said, hey, listen, I didn't see if anybody, they said, yeah, we're in the middle of waiting for people to come back, call us back or whatever. And I bugged them, bugged them. I said, listen, anybody doesn't back out, choose me, choose me, choose me. Man, I just like hounded them. <laughs> and then he's like, eventually, whoever is on the other end of Zion Ultra is like, listen, if this one person doesn't get back to us, it's yours. And I'm like, whoa, I'm like freaking out. You know, you're, you know, you're hoping that person's lazy and doesn't get back to him. Never gets back to him. And I'm the next one in line. So I get this $350 ticket for free. Like not a penny paid to go to this race. So I told Dan, I feel like I'm a little bit, this is what must feel like to go sponsor, be on a sponsored race or something. You know what yeah. I mean? So, <laughs> but nothing on my own accord other than being persistent with it. So that's exciting because that was the first race that, or uh, maybe like the second race Dan and I looked at was like, wow, look at the beauty in some of these places that they hold ultras. I mean, the best in the nation is where the ultras are generally held at. I mean, they're for that state or that region, you know? So yeah, we're doing that. And then I think what we're going to do is we'd like to get Dan to OBU in March, providing everything's healed. His training pays off all winter and spring. We'd like to get him there. I will crew him for that one because I will, it's March. I will be getting ready for Zion and I just can't botch that. So it's like a trade-off and we, we mutually, and that's the benefit of running with a, a two-man crew. Either you're both doing it together and you find somebody to help you with that, or somebody's injured or just getting ready for a race or, you know, so you're, you're always balancing that with each other as a team. So. Well, Hey, uh, best of luck at Zion, uh, best of luck at Eastern States coming up in just a few weeks here. And um, congratulations, Dan and, and Albert, both on the FKT attempt. And, um, I'm sure you guys will be be hitting it hard within the next couple of years and there will be many more adventures to come. Um, so thank you for coming on. Thank you for, for giving me time and, and to interview you guys. And uh, I hope to hopefully get some runs in and maybe even some races in the future with you guys.